Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Good to see you in service. Thanks for joining us by live stream, and if you'll hit share. I want to deal with the four questions that I believe plague and haunt and uh, bother us more than any other questions in life. Questions that need answered. Moses sitting at the feet of his mother, Jochebed, as God began to unfold great truths that she passed on to him with his brilliant mind, he records the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, and it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Questions that need answered. I want to begin this morning and this particular Sunday on the very first question. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? A dad and a son were out on their fishing boat and dropping a line in and some bait in and some hooks in. And a little boy looked over at his dad and he said, Dad, could I, could I ask you a question? And the dad said to the boy, sure. He said, Dad, what makes this boat float? And the dad said, I don't know. After a little bit, the boy looked over and he said, Dad, how do the fish breathe under water? Dad scratched his head and fished for a little bit and said, I don't know. After a while, the boy said, Dad, the sky sure is blue, isn't it? He said, yes. He said, Dad, what makes the sky so blue? Poor old dad said, I don't know. Found it, the boy said, well, Dad, I hope you don't mind me asking these questions. No, he said, son, that's the way that we learn. <laughs> Did you know that even God asks a number of questions? Do you know that? God said to Adam and Eve, where art thou? And they responded a little bit. And then God said, well, who told you that you were naked? sure the devil didn't. God said to Cain, what hast thou done? Great multitude around Christ and a little lady came up and touched him and Jesus said, who touched me? Bible's full of questions. Fact of the matter, there's 3,294 questions in the Bible. 
questions are a part of the Bible. But I think the four questions that I'd like to mention to you this morning are paramount and questions that are relevant and questions that bother us and we wonder what's going on. Where did I come from? Or if you want to ask it another way, who am I? I think another question is why am I here? I think another question is, is there really right and wrong? I think another question, and I'll attempt to answer it on the fourth Sunday, is where do I go after all of this is over? I find that everybody is pretty interested in these questions. They're relevant. And that question number one, who am I? Or maybe we better approach it from the where. Where did I come from? Did I just evolve? Now, if I just evolved, then there is no God. I mean, if we evolve, there's no need for a God. And uh, if we just evolve, there's no foundation for right or for wrong. And... Uh, if there is no God, then there's no meaning in life. There's absolutely no meaning. And if we just evolve, then there's no afterlife. So I want to look at that question, where did I come from? And I want to look at the answer from only the Word of God. That's all I know how to stand on. That's all I know. Back to the matter, I want to say something. I'm not smart enough to preach anything but the Bible. And I'm too smart not to preach anything but the Bible. So where did I come from? Let's make just a few <laughs> observations. First of all, before the creation, there was a maker. A maker. Now, I'm not talking about a process. We're not talking about a power. We're talking about a person. I'd walked into McDonald's a few years ago back when people went to McDonald's instead of just driving by. And uh, everybody hung out at McDonald's. I'd walked in, a bunch of the guys, they said, one of them thought he'd have a little fun, said, hey there, sky pilot. That's a term some call preachers, sky pilot. He said, uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I said, uh, God came first. Boy, it really got him. And Rich Crary was there, and he said, and he's got a book that says that. In the beginning, God. And I've been asked, where did God come from? That's a great question. Well, in the beginning, God. God didn't begin where the beginning began. God began the beginning. In the beginning, God. God created the world, the rocks and the reels, the holes and the hills, the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and so on. In the beginning, God. Now, you might gather, if you hang around me long enough, that I do not believe in evolution. Is that a great surprise? Now, I can handle micro-evolution. Uh, uh, let me explain that. I believe that plants and animals through time mature and they, they can change. I, I believe that uh, uh, old Jacob, he was, a, he was a wily fella. He began to use certain cattle 
and begin to crossbreed them, and he built his herd that way. And I know that those that breed oh, racehorses, they try to get strong, well-built horses and breed them together, and over time you get a pretty fast racehorse, micro-evolution. But I don't believe in macro-evolution. Notice what the scripture says in Genesis 1:24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Cattle and creeping things and the beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Now that terminology, after its kind, is mentioned ten times in the book of Genesis. And that is to say that a dog was created a dog, he'll stay a dog. A dog never evolves into a horse. Now I've seen some dogs, I thought they were almost a horse. A dog might start out being a puppy, but it'll evolve into a dog, but a dog never evolves into a horse because every creature was created after its kind and it stays that kind. So anybody tells you that a whale, there was a time that it uh, was up on the ground and walked around before it got in the water and learned how to swim and stayed in the water. It's kind of like believing in monkeys keep monkeying around. So what do, you, what do you mean by this micro and macro? Well, we believe in the mutation within the species, but we don't believe in transmutation outside the species, for it said it stayed after its kind. Now, there's a couple problems with evolution. One that I have, I don't know about you, the first problem is the fossil flaw. If animals evolved into people, then why don't we have intermediate fossils? I've got a fossil in my office. Carl brought me one a few years ago, and, and uh, I prize it. It's just there into the rock. But I've never yet seen a, a fossil that was half bird and half fish. It's not going to happen. And certainly from the crust of the earth, you have thousands upon thousands of fossils. And even Charles Darwin said, in due time, intermediate fossils will be found. But intermediate fossils have never yet been found, and they never will be found because, ladies and gentlemen, before the creation, there was a maker. And he said they will reproduce after their kind. Now, there's another problem. It's called the dead life dilemma. And there's no scientific proof, none exists, that life did or can evolve into existence from non-living matter. There's never been a substantiated case of a living thing being produced from anything other than a living thing. Now, I want you to understand, just flat off, I don't have enough faith to believe in evolution. You're going to have to help me, folk. I just can't believe that stuff. Before creation, there was a maker, a designer. Everything is master designed. Little girl asked her mother, said, Mama, said, where, where did humankind come from? Well, she said there was a God. And God created a man named Adam and then created Eve. And, and, uh, and then they had children, and that's where we come from. Boy, she's thought about that for a few days and saw her daddy out in the garage and said, Daddy, where do you think humankind come from? He said, well, monkeys. 
He said, and, and over time, they evolved into what we call the human race. It really confused her. You've heard the story. She went back and said, Mama, you said we came from God and creation, and Daddy said we came from monkeys and evolved. Oh, she said, I was talking about my side of the family. <laughs> and your father was explaining his side. Very simple. We believe the Bible. We do not believe like the guy that said, once I was a tadpole, beginning to begin. Then I was a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey in a banana tree. Now I'm a professor with a PhD. That's not us. What I'm trying to say, we're wonderfully and gloriously, the psalmist said, created by God. And we're not accidents. God created man in his own image and gave them the ability to reproduce after their kind. That's why I'd said here a few weeks ago that there's no accidental children. No, there's some accidental parents. But we're wonderfully and gloriously created by our maker. But I want you to see something else. Behind the creation, there was a method. And a designer. Look at verse 2. The earth was without form and void. It was formless and void. And here's what's interesting. God takes six days and he deals with two problems. The first three days, he forms the earth. And the next three days, he fills the earth. Did you ever notice that? It's just a pattern. On day one, he created the light and the darkness. But on day four, he created the sun and the moon and the stars. And on day two, he created the air and the water. But on day five, he created the fowl and the fish. You see, the fowl had to have a place to fly and the fish had to have a place to swim. So he made the water first and he, he made the air first. And then on day three, he created the land and the plants. On day six, he creates men and animals. Give us a place to put our feet and something to eat. And he forms it in three days, and he fills the earth in the second three days. Now, the question you might ask would be, do you believe that God created the world in six days? I don't have a whole lot of problem with that. Do you? I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, well, I just can't believe in the virgin birth. How, how God can have a woman, and she can have a child without a man being involved? I said, well, I... I don't argue about it because God made Adam and he didn't have a man or woman either one to start with. So I don't have any problem with it. Now here's what the Bible says, verse five, God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, if you go over to Israel, the day starts in the evening or the sunset. Did you know that? You say, well, how in the world will they begin their day at sunset over in Israel? Well, they go to the Bible. Evening and morning were the first day, a 24-hour period. Now, if somebody asks the question, and I'll, I'll respond with my answer, do you believe that God took thousands of years to make the earth? No, really, I don't. L look at this, and, and, and you've got to understand now, God did not arbitrarily in doing these things. There's a method. On day three, he created the plants. But on day four, he created the sun. You see, the plants cannot grow without the sun. 
So if you create plants and a thousand years later you come up with a sun, the plant's not going to survive. Okay, just talking to you. God knew what he was doing. Now, I like the book of Exodus and, and uh, the book of Genesis. And of course, Moses wrote them both. And in the 20th chapter of Exodus, it says that God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. Did you notice the fourth one? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And God set the, the example for that. Six days, the Bible said, that God worked. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he gives to us a pattern for our lives. We're to work six days. I like four days better, but he said six days. And on the seventh, it's a day of rest. 24-hour period. I want you to rest. Now, here's what's amazing. I was looking in the Bible in Genesis 1, verse 16, and God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, you know, the, the moon. And then it says, and he made the stars also. Did you catch that? I love that line. It's, he made the stars also. It's almost like an afterthought. And think about this. Jupiter is 1,300 times larger than the earth. Pretty good size, isn't it? And when we see the stars, we're seeing the Milky Way galaxy. And when we see a star, a star is over 300 million miles across. Fact of the matter, the closest star to the earth is 4.24 light years away. So if you were to schedule the Apollo 11 that they traveled to the moon, it would take 43,000 years to get to the closest star in the Apollo at that speed. That's traveling, isn't it? And there's at least one billion galaxies. And the scripture says, oh, by the way, he created the stars also. So if you don't think God can handle your problems, God knows everything going on in your life. God knows there's an illness. God knows the financial pressures. God sees the little bird, the little sparrow that falls. God cares about you. That's why I love the scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament show his handiwork. Pretty handy indeed. And then I like Psalm 8 verse 3, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you visit? Now the one that created the earth cares about us we have his attention he's looking and not only do we have his attention we have his affection for it says and he cares for him now we have an ozone layer around the earth about 40 miles up i'm sure glad for this the liberals are really worrying about it be good okay tell me to be good people I want to take off here, but I need to be good. And if you were to compress that ozone layer to, down to about a fourth of an inch, do you realize it's keeping out at least eight killer rays from the sun? Don't tell me God doesn't care. God placed the sun out there just at the right location, 93 million miles away. 
If it was 100 miles closer, the earth would be scorched. That means you too. At 100 miles further away, we'd be in a constant freeze state. And you take the moon at night, it has its little place. It has to do with the tide. It tells the tide just how far to come in and how far to go out. And it aerates with oxygen, the water, so that animals and fish and all of that can survive. I'm trying to say with affirmation, before the creation, there was a maker. And behind the creation, there's a method. And let me hasten to say, because of the creation, there's a message. Chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. All of this God did, then he made man. He gave man a place. Gave man a home. Before people ever came along, there were places. Places are important. Now, can I ask you something? If we evolve from animals, then why, why aren't we just slightly more complex than the animals? Why does man appreciate music? Animals could care less. You ever see a dog turn the radio on and put his paw up and hold his head and listen, wake his tail to the music? I'm just talking to you. You ever see a, a cat just be out to the tune of the music? Why does man appreciate art? Why is it that we care what color our walls are, whether they're gray or blue or a tint of pink? Animals could care less. You see them mixing any paint? You ever see a dog paint the dog house? Why does man appreciate poetry? Why do people go to museums and concerts? Why do we feel guilty and feel remorse? Why are we able to read and write and the animals can't? I'm simply trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that we're the only thing on planet Earth made in the image of God. Yeah. And uh, before the creation, there was a maker. Behind the creation, there was a method. And because of the creation, there's a message. And that's where I'm trying to get to this morning. And we read these five verses and just pop over it and we, we don't see it. What is that message? There's a message there. It said, in the beginning, God. And here's what you've got to realize. God is the creator. God created the universe and all that makes up the universe all the galaxies, the Milky Ways, the pathless blue yonder. And, sir, God created you. Ma'am, God created you. He's the creator. And it goes on. It says here in verse 2, next week I'll talk about why, uh, why we're created. But look at verse 2. The earth was without form. Now, if something's without form, what is it? It's dead. Now, God created us, and he created us with life, but because of Adam's sin, we're dead in trespasses and sin. We're born with a sin nature. And if you don't believe that, you ask somebody that knows you real well. But wait, it says the earth was without form and void. Now, what does void mean? Void means empty. Now, here we are, created by God, but now because of sin, we're, we're dead in trespasses and in sin, and now it says we're empty. 
And so what do we do? We go out and we try to fill this emptiness with all kinds of things and all kinds of activities. We, we use resources and education and frolic and relationships, but in the end, we're still empty because none of that can satisfy. Can't you see it? The salvation message is right here in this passage, and we don't see it. Now read on. It said the darkness moved upon the face of the deep. So that emptiness on the inside of us drives us to go out into the darkness and do things that mankind should never do. And men will do things to others, take their lives, ravish, wicked, void, empty. And the reason we turn to all these things is because we find something for the emptiness of our lives. But notice what the scripture says, and the spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God moved. I want you to know that sometime along the course of your life, the Holy Spirit's going to move on your heart. And he's going to deal with you. He's going to show you what is causing the emptiness. And he's going to show you the deadness of your life and that you need a Savior to make you alive. And it goes on to say, and God said, let there be light. Jesus Christ is that light. It's the message. Right there, it's the gospel. And it's in the first few verses of the Bible. I like the song somebody wrote. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. We're created by God. Revelation 11, 4 said, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, now catch this, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So we're created by God, and when we realize that we're created, it's an act of worship because God wanted pleasure out of our lives as we worship him. Where did I come from? We came from God. God created you, why? To have a relationship. And that relationship begins when we acknowledge the fact that we're sinners. We need a Savior and that Jesus died for our sins. God created us. And one day, you and I are going to stand before our Creator and give an account of the deeds that were done in our bodies while we were on earth. There was a time we were not. But there'll never be another time when we cease to be. We'll live forever. We're eternal beings. God gave us a specialness that we will never cease to be again. We'll always be somewhere. Like the sign says up at the beginning when you start up toward Alaska. For the next 400 miles, choose carefully which rut you're going to be in. For you'll be in it for the next 400 miles. May I just say to you, choose very carefully which way you're going because that's the direction you'll go for eternity. God created us, but he gave us enough light to find our way out of the darkness. And I'm glad the Spirit of God is moving on our hearts even now. Father, thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. 
For more information regarding BNC, visit BucyrusNazarene.org.